When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you here to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is to serve you with advice and information that empowers you so you can make better financial decisions in your life. And you know, it's Friday, so you know what that means. It's time to hear about how I have stunk it up on the podcast in our weekly Clark Stinks segment. Something else I want to talk about? Money and dating. Do you check out the credit score of somebody before you go out with them? Believe it or not, people want to do that. We'll talk about that much later because now it's time. Well, before something that doesn't stink, I just want to remind everyone, go to ClarksChristmasKids.com. There's still plenty of time to donate to the foster kids on ClarksChristmasKids.com. This is our 33rd year of uh, taking care of the Christmas wishes of children and foster care. Think about that's a third of a century. Wow. That's a long time that our listeners and viewers and readers have been so generous and helped out children in foster care. I appreciate it very much for them to be able to open gifts Christmas morning like other kids get to do. But without further ado, we get to find out why I am stinking it up. I should have never encouraged you to speak. You must think I'm pretty stupid. You should be ashamed of yourself. Well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe you're right, pal. You really are so giving and generous that it's kind of hard to segue into this, but we'll go ahead. You're a mensch on the bench. Is that what they say instead of mensch on, on the, the shelf? bench, yes. <laughs> okay. Ben in Utah said that his employer wants to add a surcharge for his wife's health insurance coverage because she's working. In addition to the extra, he already pays for her. You must not have listened well, and Krista, who read this, should have called you on it. You assumed he was paying the same amount for the two of them as a single person and went on to say that a couple should pay more than a single person. Not what he said or asked. Can it be legal for your employer to even ask if your spouse works? None of their business. Please answer the question he asked. My inquiring mind needs to know. And that one's from Kim, but there were also lots of people who wrote in about this and said, you know, if the other spouse has the option to have health insurance at their employer, that's why the employers are charging. Yeah, I, I, that was a fail the way I answered that. And I apologize. And Krista just pointed out, the important thing that I failed to articulate, which is you're asked many times at employers, if your spouse has the access to health coverage where your spouse works, because employers, it costs them so much money for health coverage that they want to try to push away double dippers or basically fine you if there's a double dipper. I am a decades-long listener to your previous radio shows and current podcasts. You have definitely been a majorly positive influence in my life, and I thank you for that. But I wish you would stick to subjects that you have extensive knowledge of. 
every time I hear you tell listeners that only a tiny amount of detergent is needed for laundry, I just cringe because I don't want people to think you are stupid. Maybe you can get away with a tiny amount because you do not get your clothes dirty. Most of the blue collar workers in this country work hard and their clothes reflect that. To get my husband's clothes clean, I must not only use pre-treatment spray, but also detergent to the top line on the lid and hot water to break down the remnants of his hard day's work. These are families that keep this country running smoothly every day. So please stop telling us how to do our laundry. But that being said, I really do love all your financial advice, Karen. Karen, thank you. And uh, pre-treating stains is something that we do if I've really stained something. And the only equivalent I know is when I go to Habitat and I got mud all over me and I pre-treat. But if you have an HE washer, a high-efficiency washer, in theory, it should be getting those clothes clean uh, that you were pre-treated without needing the additional detergent. And I love what you said, stick to what I know. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I know nothing about real life other than what I read. And what I've read is that what I've said is right, but I'm going to defer to your experience and knowledge on getting the laundry clean. Grocery inflation, just like all the other insanely inflated categories, is not better because the rate of inflation has slowed down. You seem to be saying grocery inflation has stopped and the already hyperinflated prices are falling. This simply is not the case. Grocery prices have inflated 50% on average since 2020, and they currently have not stopped rising overall. Clark, you try to help, but it's obviously you are not regularly in the grocery store. Jordan. I also see the world through um, rose-colored glasses, obviously. I mean, I'm just incurably optimistic. And I do grocery shop every single week. And I've, it is my perception that there are a lot more deals than we've seen in a long time. But you are correct that although some items that spiked heavily have come back down, there is stubbornness with inflation. I talked about this earlier this week about pricing trends and that we are in a stage of what's known as disinflation, where the rate of inflation has calmed enormously, but there's still inflation. And on a lot of goods in 24, we're going to see actual deflation where prices will decline. Are they going back? To where they were in 19 pre-COVID? No, not on groceries, but a number of items are headed that way, goods that we purchase, but your point is well taken. Clark does not stink, but he may have missed a small ingredient in one of his answers that would have made his response even more aromatic. A listener considering getting a Tesla wanted Clark's thoughts as well as advice regarding buying versus leasing. Clark's answer, as usual, was very informative and seemed helpful. He recommended buying a used Tesla, but indicated even a couple of models of new Teslas had recently become very inexpensive due to sales pushes and tax incentives. I think Clark forgot about the leasing part of the question. For folks like me who are woefully ignorant of such things, can Clark elaborate as to if the sales and tax incentives apply to people leasing Teslas or other electric vehicles? And that one's from a big anonymous fan. Thank you, Anonymous fan. So, first of all, there's a 24 answer on anything involved with tax credits. It's different than 23. In 24, 
people who buy a vehicle, finance a vehicle that's electric, will be eligible for an upfront credit of the tax credit. But then there are other circumstances where based on income or the content of the car you're getting, you are only eligible for the tax credit if you lease. So there's going to be a lot of push. It already has been. Tesla has been test driving. It's a bad pun. A $399 a month lease on the Model Y, which is their number one seller. And you're going to see in January a big rollout of a bunch of lease plans on a variety of electric vehicles. So, you know, leasing is something I don't normally encourage people to do. In this case, because of the distortion of the market from federal and state incentives, it may make more sense to lease if you want to go electric than to buy. Did I really just say that? Clark absolutely does not stink, but I wonder if he was running late and skipped his shower the morning he talked about automated payments versus remembering to make a payment for a larger amount on credit cards. Why either or? Why not both? I have minimum automatic payments set up each month, so I'm protected against ever missing a payment. I can be a bit flaky like Clark. I also make separate pay- a separate payment each month for the full balance a day or two before Credit Karma shows the reporting day for each card. The reporting day is different from the due date and varies by card. By doing this, I show near zero on my credit utilization. On rare occasion, I either forget to do this or I don't have sufficient funds that day to pay in full, but my automatic payment protects my score. Using this method, I currently have an 850 FICO score, which I know is in no way necessary, but it's kind of a game, Carl. Carl, I have never had an 850 credit score, and I'm impressed by you and the others we've heard from with the perfect scores. I I love what you're doing. Whatever method makes sure that every card is paid every month on time, Uh, your use of automatic payments, and then doing the manual payment, perfect. My wife took over paying our bills, and so she checks them twice in a month and makes sure that everything is paid on time by manually checking them all. She prefers doing it that way. But whatever system works, to make sure that everything is paid every month on time is key to protecting your credit reputation. And by you, what you're doing with how you're paying the balance before it would reflect on a credit report is what has goosed your credit score all the way to a perfect 850. Love you, Clark. I've been listening to you for over 20 years, but when you talk about luggage trackers, you stink like something died in a carry-on and left on the tarmac. You mentioned that people should buy AirTags or the Android market equivalent in people's luggage. Great advice. However, there is no Android alternative. AirTags works so well because it uses nearby iPhones as a global mesh network to track these little devices. On the Android side, that is not completely fragmented between manufacturers like Samsung, Motorola, Pixel, etc. This means that no Android tracker will work nearly as well as an AirTag. The best alternative is the Samsung SmartTag. However, SmartTag only works on the most recent Samsung devices, which is a smaller network than AirTags. John. John, you are 100% correct on this. You know, the whole Google approach with Android that has created this libertarian environment 
that is somewhat chaotic has led to the lack of the network effect that Apple has. And the Apple AirTags, even though the AirTag was a copy of, what was the thing called years ago that was the first thing? The Tile. Tile. The Apple product blows away everything in the marketplace right now. Hands down, no question. Clark, you are so bewildered why couples won't max the employer match on their 401ks. Think, Clark, because in this horribly inflated economy, it takes every possible take-home dollar and then some to survive. We know you're wealthy. We know you're somewhat disconnected from the present-day price pressures. But come on. They aren't just saying, oh, we don't want that money. That won't help us for decades. Bonnie. Bonnie, thank you. I appreciate that. And I didn't delve into this in the stats. And I heard exactly what you're saying, that if people can't even pay their everyday bills, I'm being elitist by talking about at least putting in enough to a 401k for the match. But the stat showed a clear trend that in a married couple, often one is putting in a lot of money as a percent of their pay into the 401k, and then there's not enough money left over to pay bills for the other to do it. And in almost all the cases, what's happening is if the couples just rebalanced what they were contributing, both would pick up the full match. It wasn't so much needing to contribute more money, it was needing to reallocate how it was contributed with one spouse reducing what what he or she is contributing and the other increasing so that they pick up all the match. Speaking of match, I've noticed many times you describe the employer's 401k match as free money. Please understand that it is not free money. It is a part of employee total compensation. Employers offer their 401k match to attract and retain employees. To me, an employer 401k match is the same as others, vacation time, sick leave, and other benefits. My family and I love you too much to say you stink, but try to use correct terminology and concepts. You often say there is not such a thing as free. Thank you for all of you and your awesome team do for all of us. Hamang. Hamang, thank you. All right, so... It's something where I'm trying to hit people over the head with a battering ram. Don't leave free money on the table. So, yes, of course, as an employer myself, and I match dollar for dollar to, is it 6% 6%. or 7%? 6% of my employees' contributions to our 401k plan. And I do it because I want to bribe people to contribute to the 401k and build up financial security over their lifetimes. Many employers have different reasons, but that money is my money that I'm spending for this because it's so important to me that people contribute to a 401k. It is not free money. It's just uh, a gift from the employer to the employee or an incentive from the employer to the employee. Compensation. It is compensation. Clark, you don't stink, however, on a recent episode, you were talking about teen driving and started pontificating about how you won't pull next to a tractor trailer truck until you can easily pass. As a truck driver, I started laughing as saying tractor trailer truck is like saying (laughs) ATM machine since the tractor is the truck. Love what you do as a very longtime listener who has changed my family's saving habits, all thanks to you, Bill. And Bill, I do still say... 
all the time when we discuss it, ATM machine. And I'm sure there are other things like that that I repeat, like uh, machine, machine or whatever. And it's I just tractor trailer, tractor trailer. Don't call it a tractor trailer truck. Call it a tractor pulling a 53 if you want to. There you go. You know what 53 means? I don't. 53 feet. <laughs> okay. So a standard trailer that you see a truck pulling is a 53, unless it's a truck train when it might be pulling two 40s one behind the other. You've got so much knowledge. It's insane. How do you know? Now we're going to hear from Bill Clark. That's not right. It's blah, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> but I appreciate all your posts on Clark Stinks. And I want to make a point. A lot of times people think we didn't read your Clark Stinks. Krista didn't read it because she was afraid of bringing the topic up. That's not true at all. No, we never. get so many <laughs> that we can't possibly get to all of them. And if and they're briefer, I'm more. I can't read a three-page Clark Sting. The English major said that. If you are more brief, if you're more brief, you're so right. Can't believe you is English major. Well, we're all fallible. I mean, I mess up grammar all the time, right? No. Now you're so not used true. to me, you don't cringe anymore. Not true. All right, coming ahead. We're going to talk about where money and dating collide. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed. So you don't have to download the new Bumble now. I remember years ago, there was a story about how women in particular wanted to know what a man they were dating, what his credit score was. And there was a lot of feedback from that. I mean, we just completed our Clark Stink segment and apparently how I addressed that whole thing had some uh, old fashioned chauvinism to it based on what posters wrote on Clark Stinks. But the thing that what it was about was in relationships, the thing that causes relationships to flame out more than any other thing is disagreements about money, issues about money. And people now approach dating in a different way, particularly when they are past their mid-20s, there's some real practical elements to it in terms of wanting financial stability from the individual they're dating. So I thought it was really funny because this got some play in popular culture. There was a segment of that daytime talker called The View where they were talking about what restaurants were automatic deal killers that you'd never go out with somebody again. If they took you to this place or that place or the other place, and they had this list of chain restaurants they were all banding about, that if somebody took you there on a first date, they were done. They were out. And I thought that was kind of funny and kind of silly that people reacted so strongly to that, and people were naming other places and things like that, that they wouldn't want to go on a first date. But now more and more people are into something 
more substantive, and that is if they're dating somebody with the idea of maybe having a life together, it's like, is this person financially stable? Do they have any sense of what career goals they might be interested in or anything like that? Michelle Singletary, the syndicated financial columnist, talks about how one of the most important things is how does that individual handle money? She talks about credit scores again, like before. But she said one of the key tip-offs is if you're dating somebody and they won't discuss money with you, that usually it means that there's some stuff there they're hiding from you. But I thought the other thing that was interesting that Michelle said, if you're dating somebody and you're out and they're a really lousy tipper, that tells you an important thing about their character. And I've never heard anybody say anything like that. But it's funny how much today comes back to financial pressures and and a couple with financial pressures. And I think about how much I talk about communication being so important in a relationship, whether you're living with somebody or you're thinking of marrying them or you're married to them, that money secrets create so much distrust and having similar goals and values about money, really important. And so often we don't discuss those things and we in our own head make assumptions about the person we may be in love with or falling in love with. And those assumptions could be so very wrong. And that's why you got to talk about them. I know this is more something we should be talking about at Valentine's Day, because we always talk about something relationship kind of thing with money at Valentine's Day, Krista. But I don't know. This goes on all year round. Yeah, something I wanted to talk about. So I wasn't willing to wait two more months. No, and finances are such a big cause, like you said, of like strife in relationships and marriages. All right. Joe in California says, when my wife and I got married a few years ago, we had very different credit scores. I've been trying to build her credit by adding her as an authorized user to my two credit cards, a Costco Visa and the City Double Cash. However, it's been about two years and they're not showing up on her credit report. Am I missing something? Should she get her own credit card instead of being an authorized user on my account? This is the method my dad used when I was young to build my credit, so I'm confused. So it's possible both your cards are from Citibank, and it's possible Citibank is not reporting authorized users in the normal way to credit bureaus. Don't know that, but that's a coincidence that both the cards you made her authorized users on are Citibank. The other thing is sometimes an issuer will ask for the social security number of an authorized user, and other times they don't. If they don't ask for the social security number, it's not going to be reported to the bureaus. So I would suggest if you have another card from another issuer, and I never want you to have your only credit from one financial institution, in this case, both of these from Citi, add her as an authorized user with another financial institution, and let's see if that doesn't now show up on her credit report and start contributing to a positive score. The other factor that could affect score 
is if there are collections on a report, even with good current credit being reported, it may, which it's not yet, it may not give the booster you're looking for for the credit score. David in Nevada says, I took your advice and signed up for the Capital One Venture X card. I very much like the card and have already been able to use airport lounge access twice. I've received the generous sign-up bonus along with additional points for charges and now have a balance of about 110,000 reward miles. My question is whether I should apply these to pay for travel items I've purchased or just keep saving them to redeem for airline rewards. I have tried to figure out what is the best use, but I can't seem to find a good answer. It looks like we cannot turn them in for airline miles on our domestic airlines, but may have to turn them into an international airline. Any advice would be appreciated. Thank you for all you and your team do for us. I love listening to your podcast. So uh, it is more complicated. The rewards are more rewarding with the Capital One product than their arch competitor, the Chase Sapphire product. And it's because the Capital One, you get two points for every dollar you charge base. And the Chase, you only get one point for every dollar you charge. But... The redemptions are easier on Chase than they are on Capital One. Capital One, you can use your points towards hotels. You can use them towards flights. But you pointed out the best use is to use them for international redemptions. If you like international travel and you redeem them on an international airline, the real advantage is using them for a premium economy, which is like the equivalent of a domestic first-class seat, or for business class, then the payback you get for them is quite large on a lot of international airlines. But the alternative people use a lot of times is they'll use their hotel booking engine to book a hotel room with points, or they'll book flights on airlines. As long as the fare is the same, you're using points to pay for the tickets instead of having to use dollars. Maria in Texas says, I've lived in Texas for the past 12 years and will be retiring soon in Mexico. Aside from maintaining a Texas mailing address, a private mailbox via a mail scanning service, is there anything else I should do before I move to ensure I'm considered a Texan and can continue to avoid state tax liability? And P.S., I'm moving near Puerto Vallarta, which has a very nice Costco warehouse. So I've been to Puerto Vallarta. I've never been to the Costco there. So I guess I have to go again. Yeah, you must have gone when it didn't exist yet, right? Because yeah, you would always so. go to a Costco. I, I don't a lot of times on trips. I've driven right by warehouse clubs wow. on trips. And I've, I've decided that whatever I'm doing is more fun. Okay. Um, I've been, definitely gone to Costco's with you on trips. <laughs> well, that's sure. to save money. Like in Hawaii, to go buy stuff, it's right. so much cheaper They buy it and take it to your condo than to buy stuff, you know, near a condo or at a condo or at a hotel or whatever in Hawaii. We went to San Francisco. I think we each bought a lamp that we brought home. Oh, yeah. That was the cost, the downtown Costco in San Francisco. They had the parking underneath. Yeah, I've been to one with you in Washington State. Don't give me that Hawaii thing. <laughs> We've also well, gone there for lunch on trips. The best, I mean, dude. The best, <laughs> the best was when I was on book tour. I ended up booked at a hotel 
that was in the parking lot in the out parcel of a Costco. And my room looked out on the Costco. What a view. The other side had a beautiful view of the mountains near Palo Alto, California. Yeah. But on the side I ended up on, I had the more important view. Yeah, I was looking those at suckers the Costco. who got the mountain view. Yeah, didn't what know was what wrong with them? They didn't get to see the Costco. Back to Maria. Maria. Okay. <laughs> so before you do this move, I want you to find a CPA who does tax, who has experience with Americans who live in Mexico. There are very special things that you want to make sure you don't mess up on. This is more important for Americans who live in Canada. The, the taxation problems for Americans living in Canada are brutal. And they're actually CPA firms that the, all they do is they do tax work for Americans who are, who are living in Canada. The Mexican thing, not as difficult, but, but you want to make sure you do everything as an accountant who does tax and is familiar with the the dual issues of Mexico living in Mexico as an American, that you do everything right. And ask others who, who you know have come before you who are living somewhere in Mexico who are from the United States. Just ask them, who does your tax work for you? Go talk to that individual. Pay him or her for an hour of time to learn what things you should do before you go to Puerto Vallarta. Have you been to Puerto Vallarta? I have not. Fun beach area. I'd love to go there. I love going to beaches everywhere. It's just part of what I'm about. So thank you so much for joining us this week. I hope that you have a wonderful weekend. And once you know that you can still help us out with Clark's Christmas Kids, we have just two weeks plus till Christmas. Yeah, a little bit more than two weeks till Christmas. And I want to make sure that the kids in foster care who we're getting gifts for have gifts Christmas morning. It happens because of your generosity. You didn't know this. I've been collecting with Clark's Christmas Kids for 33 years to get gifts for children in foster care. I hope you can help us out. Clark's Christmas Kids.com is where you can make it happen. And enjoy your weekend. 